James. Once again, I'm super happy. Our good friend AJ Jacobs in the house. AJ, how's it going? Great. I'm having a good time. AJ, where's your chewing tobacco? <laughs> I do have it in my uh, back pocket. Let's see what you got. Is it just like a skull? It or is a skull. So, AJ, as, as you told us last episode, you're doing a um, an experiment, which is what does chewing tobacco really do for you? Does it is it better than caffeine in terms of like waking yeah, you up? It's like Adderall. It is mm. like uh, you know. How do you know what Adderall is like? <laughs> I have tried that. I'm an experimenter. But, uh, yeah. Can I smell I, it? Is it I, mint or is it straight? Yeah, it's yeah, mint. Yeah. So it's very, uh, mm. when I do it. Give it, it to Jane because it'll wake you up to smelling. When I do it, it's like, what do you think? That was, was like the, grape? That was the undeepest sniff. You were so scared. Of, I was on, scared. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to snort it. <laughs> uh, but that is one way to do it. That's the way snort. they use the snuff. Snuff, that's what's... But snuff, was snuff is, I didn't even know that. Snuff, I thought snuff is pretty different than chewing tobacco. No, is it not? snuff the is, same thing? is basically powdered tobacco. They, it's finer grain, but that that's what they would do. They so, would so, just so just to explain, you, you're the author of a bunch of best-selling books, all of which are basically revolve around experiments you've did on your life. You write about this stuff every day. You, you did the year of living biblically, dropped at healthy, where you were healthy for a year. You read the Encyclopedia Britannica from A to Z and, and know-it-all. Uh, now you're working on the world's largest family reunion book. So you ask a question to us. We asked you last oh, time. Yeah. Okay, so my question is, and this occurred to me, I'll tell you how it occurred to me, but the question is, does humor have an expiration date? Or are there things that are eternally funny? So it does humor age? Because I read an article about the oldest recorded joke, which is a Sumerian joke. Can I tell it? Yeah, please. Yes. Can you tell it in Sumerian, though? <laughs> yeah, there might be some kind of cadence to the Sumerian. Because yeah, I don't think it's translate that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll use a Sumerian accent. Yeah. All right. This is the joke. It's from 1900 B.C., and it says, Something which has never occurred since time immemorial, a young woman did not fart on her husband's lap. You know, I've heard that. <laughs> is that really a Sumerian I'm not, joke? I'm not kidding. I've heard that. You've heard that joke? It, uh, not that long ago, because we were in a museum uh, with my family in Europe somewhere, and it was some Sumerian. It was in, uh, gosh, I can't remember what, not in the British Museum. Anyway, and my son loved it because it included the word fart. Sure. So he thought it was the best joke ever. So it does but wait, translate. A young woman... It shall it's not something which has never occurred since time immemorial. A young woman did not fart on her husband's lap. If I were to translate it into more like Seinfeldian, I would say, "Did you ever notice that when you marry a young woman and she sits on her lap, she always farts? What's the deal with that?" Wait a minute. Is that really? It's saying that she always does. A yeah. thing that, that yeah, I need was, it again. I need it one more. Negative. I need it's it got, one more time. It seems like almost a triple negative. Yeah, I didn't get it. Something which has never occurred since time immemorial. Okay. A young woman did not fart in her husband's lap. Oh, so something that always happens. In other words, something always happens. But it's funnier as a double negative, I guess. All right. So, so uh, before we get to the humor, have you ever had the experience of a young woman <laughs> sitting on your lap and farting? Because I have to call into question the whole Sumerian logic here, or maybe it's a digestive. I mean, maybe there was just a lot more flatulence I, in the old well, days. Well, there's That's a lot a of great, beans in ancient 
Right. Samaria. A lot of roughage. God, another thing to be grateful for in the modern era. Right. So much less flatulence. We are the low flatulence era, perhaps. So true. Uh, well, yes. Well, now, I have never had my wife fart on my. I've, you know, she's farted in my, my presence. Condolences, but, then, yeah. apparently, because you, it's. Uh, but the know, question I, is, are jokes eternal? Essentially, right. I think and you just answered. Your, it's a fart joke from four thousand years ago. So I think fart the answer jokes is yes. Yeah. I think the answer is fart jokes are eternal. But take like uh, like a. a, a, a a routine like George Carlin's, you know, the seven words you don't say on TV, mm-hmm. that clearly doesn't didn't withstand the test of time because it's sort of boring now. Right. So it depends on the joke, I think. Well, and uh, I mean, I get that experience watching old movies that I remember <laughs> loving, and now they just don't seem as funny. And I think partly it's the pacing. The pacing is so slow then. Yeah. Right. It's three minutes between jokes, and now every movie is about eight seconds. Yeah, right? I know. It's remarkable. It is. It's like well, the Well, it's uh, not just jokes, though. Affair. It's the density of cinematic film and TV writing is so different now. I mean, think about any so TV like airplane, show. Or, is Airplane different than, like, super bad in terms of the number of jokes? You know, I think Airplane's an interesting example because I think it was anomalous. It I think, was ahead of its time, yeah, totally. I think agree. one thing that it did, and it was, I mean, partly was the style of that kind of film, right. was it, it was rat-a-tat-tat. And but, also, the har- I watched the uh, the Marx Brothers, mm. and I thought that they would be rat-a-tat-tat, and they are to some extent, but then they go into these long, long musical setups. Oh, yeah, yeah. They do, like, with the harp, and there's, like, that would not play in today's movie. Like, imagine, like, a Farrelly's brother where they start suddenly having a, a four-minute uh, harp solo. Well, here's a question. I mean, based on your question, would someone who is funny today, pick your whatever, pick your favorite. Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Amy Schumer. Would Louis C.K. have been funny 100 years ago? And will Louis C.K. be funny 100 years from now? You mean if he landed like 100 years from now, could he absorb the culture enough to spit out humor? Oh, that I think is definitely yes. Yes, because he's got the skill set. Probably, although is it more like the marathon runners from 100 years ago wouldn't necessarily be good marathon runners now? It's a Mm. good question. It's a very good question. I mean, certainly it would be different. But I mean, let's say for the sake of argument, you transplant him now to 100 years ago. How would Louis C.K. go over well, he, I think part of humor is, is the shock value. So, so he'd be pretty shocking. He would, <laughs> he, would, he would just blow their minds. But it would be too much probably, though. It would be like, too much. It's got to still be kind of what Stephen Johnson re- refers to as the adjacent possible. You can't, you can't be like too right. much of a distance or right. else people It's the just way like you're good looking, but if you're a little bit more good looking, it would intimidate people. <laughs> <laughs> As you're looking at me, so I, I was think, talking to you. James, I, know, I was talking. I know. To you. Yeah, but it'll it be is, astonishing for people. Yeah, I think in a hundred years, his stuff will be so bland. It'll be like Bob Hope. You think? It'll, really? Yeah, you think? I can't imagine. I'm, you know what I love is just the when I read the encyclopedia. One of my favorite parts was about uh, Stravinsky's Rite of mm. Spring, but this was like. Um, which was considered uh, heretical and evil. There was a dance performance and a music performance. And the audience, when it debuted, literally rioted. That was the report. Like, they ran out of the theater screaming because it was so shocking. And now you listen to it. And now it's like, you know, that is, it's just, I find it very quaint and delightful that people rioted. You know, it's not my thing. It's not my thing, but I would not riot. We have a lot more to say about this topic right after this quick break. 
this is a great idea for a business and to help other businesses. So I'm glad Yachtpo is sponsoring Question of the Day today. Question of the Day listeners, this is the question I have for you. Would you buy something from an online store that didn't have any reviews? I didn't think so. I wouldn't. That's where today's sponsor, Yachtpo, comes into play. If you run an online shop or have any merchant services involved with your website, Yachtpo will help you get those reviews and more from your customers so you can sell more. Yachtpo makes it easy to collect reviews, testimonials, Q&A, and photos from your customers. Then they help you to amplify that content everywhere, all over your site, homepage, product pages, checkout, and all over the web via email, Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. The result, you, the store, get more traffic, more sales, and more happy customers who in turn write more reviews. Yachtpo is user-generated marketing. To learn more and sign up for a free demo, go to www.yachtpo, and that's spelled Y-O-T-P-O, dot com slash Q-O-D. So what, so what art forms do withstand the test of time in general? Like maybe... Besides fart jokes, you mean. Besides <laughs> fart jokes. They do. Is fart jokes the only <laughs> art form that withstands the test of time? I always wonder about conversation. Like, conversation between friends, family, work, whatever. Now, it's interesting because there's a big debate going on now about whether Shakespeare, Shakespeare's works should be allowed to be adapted to replace language that is simply un, incomprehensible, right? Yeah. So there are some people who say Shakespeare wrote what Shakespeare wrote <laughs> and it's worked great for several hundred years and you shouldn't touch a word. Then there are people who say, you know, we'll totally modernize and that's a different thing. But there's a camp that says we want to go through um, every Shakespeare play and literally make the language comprehensible because there are many examples where a word in the time of Shakespeare, one example it's always used is generous, doesn't mean anything close to what we think of as generous today. I will say my random thought about Shakespeare is obviously one of the most talented people ever. Why? Well— I think he's pretty boring. Well, that's that was my. I was. That's not very to, generous of you to say. I was just trying to set it up so that I'm not a total uh, uh, philistine. But he. Uh, Are you calling me a total philistine? Yeah, basically, <laughs> his comedies. You know, they were groundbreaking in the day, but now it's like Three's Company. It's just like, <laughs> like all this mistaken identity and all these like puns, and it's just. Oh, I just have no. In- I think the dramas, the dramas might hold up better. But, yeah, a Shakespearean comedy to me is not— Doesn't work for you. It's not something that makes me laugh. John McWhorter is a linguistics professor at Columbia who wrote a piece a while back in the Wall Street Journal defending the idea of modernizing Shakespeare, oh. which would go against the grain of many linguists, I have to say. So he's taking a, a rather rebellious position. And in an interview with Kurt Anderson at Studio 360, the public radio show— He was talking about why he thinks it's a good idea. He says, we often don't realize how much we miss because it's not as if he's using words from Polish, the words that we know, but so often we don't know what he means. In King Lear, Edmund describes himself as generous. You think, okay, he's talking about giving things away. No, generous meant noble then. Now, that's Mm. not a matter of poetry. It's utterly opaque. That needs to be changed to noble. So it's the idea that obviously language evolves over time. And that's why I think it would be really fun to go back to hear conversations. I'd love to hear, you know, a factory conversation in New York in 1895. I'd love to go back to, you know, Poland or England in 1560. Well, maybe not Poland, you know, somewhere where we can understand the language. 
Because I have a feeling that, like, the kind of conversations that we have in here would not translate. That's interesting. So what do you think their conversations would be like? I think there'd be a lot more formality, for one. But maybe that's—maybe I'm wrong. Maybe right. it's le- Maybe it's less, you know? That's why it's always so jarring. You know when you see, like, a period piece of any kind, and they're talking about, like, sex or, you know, cheating or whatever? You think, ooh, really? They had sex <laughs> 100 years ago? Um, well, but my I don't question know. is, you know, the Flynn effect where you— uh, the IQ continues to rise uh, year after year. So if you go back 100 years— like, according to the Flynn effect, they, people were uh, We'd all be geniuses. We'd all be geniuses, and they are, like, technically developmentally disabled. Yeah. Do you think so, that's really true, though, or is that, like, related to just the tests? We, we're, we're better test takers. I don't know. It's a good question. I think it's, I mean, I think it's true, except the caveat I would add is that IQ, when you talk about IQ, it's not what most people generally think of as innate intelligence. That's That's the caveat I would say. So I think that overall— median human is a lot smarter today than they were 100 years ago, without question. Sort of like a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court. <laughs> kid well, yeah. Killed everything. Also, just, but also consider, I mean, just consider the kind of resource allocation issue. Like it, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago, if I wanted to do any math at all, I had to like do the math. Now, people have done the math for me and literally given me a thing, a tool, <laughs> that can do the math. So, so it I can freeze up your brain to you got come up interest. You well, got I will say one of the, my big obsessions in life is that the good old days were not good. The good yeah. old days were horrible. They sucked. And uh, I always think of the, um, uh, like, medicine, oh. which was they had something called the uh, tobacco enema. Which was when you had some sort of ailment, it could be stomach, it could be otherwise. The uh, one of the popular cures in the 19th and 18th century was to literally blow smoke up your ass. Like it was not. A, <laughs> Is that, that where the phrase comes from? Wait, I still do that. that. that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It might work for you. I don't want to— uh, Is that really where the phrase comes from? Th- I have Googled it, and that does seem to be the well, origin of the phrase. Google says it is. Then, <laughs> but wait a minute. So you're saying uh, it's smoke, not tobacco. Well, it was tobacco smoke. Right, tobac- right. And they would—it wasn't blowing. It was like they had a little— Like uh, a, a bellows. A bellows. George bellows or Saul we bellows. Were, Saul's if, bellows. If my IQ were higher, like in 20 years, I would have gotten that immediately. <laughs> but, uh, yeah— they so they would literally pump it up the butt and uh, and that was supposed to cure it. So that's one. But wait, ex- what's what did it do? Well, I'm sure it gave you a nice rub, like head rush. Yeah, because you're getting but it. Is it? It sounds like a ca- like a caffeine enema. Don't they use caffeine for enemas now? Yeah, and and I, by the I way, you're the guy who's like chewing now. So how can you <laughs> how can you disparage the, uh, the tobacco I'm, enema? I'm not coming out pro chewing. I'm just hey, saying that speaking I'm trying. of chewing, it's amazing that you're doing this. Today, in this day and age, because chewing tobacco is literally being banned from public places, like in New York, uh, I think Yankee Stadium, but I know City Field, right? A lot of public, uh, yeah, a lot no, of Major League t- Baseball. Why? Because it's not like smoking. Because it's considered a very bad um, public health risk, and they why? don't want. Why? Because yeah. tobacco is cancerous in the but, mouth. But but oh, so you're not allowed to be. I mean, it's his his choice. Smoking has a 
a secondary effect on other Correct. people. So right. baseball, the point there is that it's huge among baseball players, right? Right. So the idea is if you allow baseball players to chew tobacco at Yankee Stadium or whatever, a lot of stadiums have banned it. A lot of cities, I should say, have banned it in stadiums and elsewhere. Right. Then people see it, kids see it, whatever, and think it's okay. So it's not that it's illegal to do it. But it's illegal to do it in those places because of the knock-on effects of uh, people right. taking it up. Which I'm okay with. I like a nanny state. I think part of <laughs> my problem is that I, we have a lovely babysitter slash nanny, so I have nothing but positive associations with the <laughs> word nanny. nanny so wait, do you want uh, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? Well, Two I, New Yorkers. <laughs> I mean, I am certainly in favor of Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump. I think, uh, yeah, I would be in favor of, I don't know, like Mickey Mouse? Mickey Mouse. So, uh, by the way, I think Mickey Mouse would have been a great president. You think so? Absolutely. He Be- seems very irresponsible. Like, did you see Steamboat Willie? I did see Steamboat Willie. He's very violent. He's very violent. That's, and by the way, that's did, what I'm saying. Does the I humor think- of Steamboat Willie hold up today? <laughs> well, it Do is Do you laugh very- at it while watching it now? I mean, I feel bad for the, like, he plays piano on the hippopotamus's teeth, and I feel a little empathy for the hippo. But, so for me, it does I think you've gone soft. <laughs> <laughs> so we have we concluded that there are any are there any art forms other than fart jokes that have withstood the test of time? Do we do we know yet? I would I would um, sculpture like Michelangelo. Yeah, I, I would love to know median perception of a piece of uh, a, a painting or a sculpture from 500 years ago to 250 years ago. There's a great show up at the uh, the Met Breuer, which is the new Metropolitan Museum. Uh, showing more modern stuff um, that they took over the old, um, the Whitney. So the Whitney moved downtown, and the Whitney Museum, which is uptown near the Met, they turned into the Met Breuer. And the one of the opening shows was called Unfinished Art or something, Unfinished whatever, and it shows many pieces of work that were either literally, you know, halfway through, discontinued or whatnot, or were considered incomplete in some way. Hmm. And it does make you ask all these questions about, especially if you're familiar with the finished version of something and you're looking at it and you think, wow, I find that version beautiful because it's kind of in my brain and I've been told by all these important people that it's beautiful. But then I see a very incomplete version. Why does it look so either terrible or maybe in some cases better? And so I think a lot of it has to do with we just preload so many preconceptions onto the way that we process any information, I think it'd be hard to be, you know, remotely subjective about looking at something in a a different point. But I'd love to, I mean, I think that's why we always fantasize about going back in time and talking to people then to see either how different they were, how much we've grown or changed, or maybe the opposite, maybe how very, very, very similar, Mm. you know, we all are and were. I'd like to think so, that we could have conversations with people 200 years ago that would be meaningful, but I don't know. So, basically, fart jokes. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the conclusion. That is it. Can't wait until next week for more QOD. Hear a bit of our next show right after this. Thanks again to Yadpo for sponsoring today's episode. You know that customer who really loves your product or service? What if you could get them to do your marketing for you? That's exactly what Yapo does. Yapo makes it easy for you to collect reviews, testimonials, Q&A, and photos from your customers, and then amplify those things all over the web, from your site, to Google, to Instagram, and everywhere in between. So you get more traffic and more sales. Yapo is user-generated marketing. To learn more and sign up for a free demo, 
Go to www.yapo.com slash QOD. And don't forget, Yapo is spelled Y-O-T-P-O. Next time on Question of the Day. Does it strike you as weird that we have such allegiances to family members, especially siblings or let's say cousins and aunts and uncles, basically everybody but the parents and offspring, even though at root, it's really mostly DNA holding us together. Question of the Day is produced and mixed by Nathan Rossborough with Allison Hockenberry. 